Vino Lion Media presents Business First. Hi, all, and welcome to another edition of Business First with Sonia Aline. I am your host, and today we are having part two of our conversation with the amazing Rhonda Ridley, who is the CEO of Affinity Public Relations. And so last week, we talked a lot about her personal challenges, personal lessons, and all of the things that she had gone through that really helped her become the businesswoman she is today. And so, you know, some of the things we talked about was the importance of listening and being a student of life, um, how to make sure that you dispel all of these negative beliefs that we tend to carry about ourselves. And she had a particular uh, tragedy that she was able, able to overcome. She was paralyzed for over a year and a half. And whereas that sounds tragic, and it was at the time, uh, Rhonda was able to learn a lot from that time that she got to spend with herself. She got to learn more about herself. She got closer to God and um, learned a lot about who she was about to become. So without any further ado, want to welcome back Rhonda. Rhonda, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me a second time. Oh my gosh, we covered so much last week that we did. Uh, yeah, that we didn't talk about business really. But you know what was, <laughs> but what was really cool about this is that. You know, a lot of times people, you know, when we admire people in business, right, we admire them as we see them, right, the successes that they are. And for a lot of us, you know, there was a there was a journey before we got there. There were things that we had to overcome. There were um, people that we may have had to dismiss or forgive or, you know, whatever that road had to be for us to be able to, to move forward. And so felt like that you were kind of prepping us last week mm-hmm. to tell us about all of the things that had happened in your life. Some that would have been, uh, and, and for the people who weren't here last week, I just want to quickly go through, you know, that tragedy. You were working in a job that you had been feeling that you should have left a long time before. Um, and at the job, you had an accident where you fell down a flight of steps, which left you paralyzed for roughly 15 months, roughly a year and a half. And it was it was an accident in which the doctor said you would never walk again, Right. Exactly. And you did. So uh, take us from yeah. that point on, like that moment when you heard the voice that said, get up. Well, you know, I think a lot of times what we do when tragedy strikes or when there's a trauma, we start to bargain. Mm-hmm. We start to bargain with God. And that's what I did. I began to just say, I'll do whatever you have for me to do. If you give me this opportunity to walk again, I'll do whatever you have for me to do. I don't know why this is making me emotional. So it was important for me to remember that. And it was important for me to hold on to that because I knew whatever that meant, once I began to walk again, because I really believed that I would, I would have to do it because I said I would. And I had always been a person of my word. And here I am giving my word to the almighty. Who does that? You know, but I wanted to be honest and I wanted to be transparent that I did want to walk again. I just knew that there was in this bargaining bargaining moment that I had to be prepared for whatever that was going to look like. When I began to walk again, 
I had to end up moving from Jersey to New York with my brother and um, and his family. And because I was a school teacher, when I had this accident, one of the things that I did when I got to my brother's house was, okay, my nephew was a, about four and a half years old. And I said, okay, I will teach him. If you don't want him to go into preschool, I'll stay home and teach him while I recover. It was while I was at my brother's house, a phone call came in from someone from my past, but they were calling my brother looking for me. Wow. I pick up the phone and because my sister-in-law and I sound alike, they called her name. And I said, no, this is her sister-in-law. And they were like, this is Rhonda. And I said, yeah, the person told me who they were. And they said, I'm calling your brother looking for you because you're no longer at your address and you no longer have that phone number. And I was like, oh gosh, it's, it's beginning. It's starting to happen. That thing I bargained is beginning to happen. And I said, well, what's going on? What do you need? Oh, well, you know, I'm leaving this job. And they said that I could give it to anyone that I wanted to. And I thought of you. Oh my God. And I said, well, I don't teach anymore. And she says, it's not teaching, it's data entry. And I was like, what is that? She explained it to me. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. And immediately I heard God's voice. You're going to do whatever I ask you to do. Because I'm taking you on a journey. And I just step back and I go, okay, tell me what I have to do. Let me not be so apprehensive that I say no to her. Let me start the journey and see what happens. Long story short, I go to this job. It's a, it's a typing job. Even in high school, I didn't type well. So I said to her, I'm not going to get the job because I don't type well. I went to the job interview on a Wednesday. I started on Friday. And I'm like, why am I in a data entry job? Like, why am I here? I was there to meet my husband because two days after getting this job, I met my husband at this job. Long story short, again, I was only at this job for seven months. By the time we got to know one another, he said to me, just came to my office one day on a Thursday and he said to me, you're always talking about starting this PR firm. Tell me exactly what you need to start a PR firm. And I gave him a list. By the end of the day, I gave him a list. And he said to me, as we were packing up to leave for the day, he said, today is your last day. Everything on this list I'm going to have for you so you can start your firm. And I was like, what? 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 He goes, please, whoever you have to go to, just let oh them know gosh. that you're, you're not coming back tomorrow. <laughs> I never went back to that job. And two weeks later, I had everything I needed to start my company. That was 22 years ago. We went on our first date in November, December 3rd, we were engaged. That same day he told me that he he was like, today's your last day. Okay. I believed him too. Because I truly believed there was no reason for me to be at a data entry job. Like, let's be for real. There's no reason I don't type. Nothing. Nothing. Right. Nothing at all. But Nothing I knew the journey had begun the day I received the call from my, my old friend. And when Kevin said to me, today's your last day, I'll have everything that you need. He didn't give me a timeline, but within two weeks, he had everything that I needed. And I started my company two weeks later. You, you know, what's fascinating, too, about that is that and you've mentioned you mentioned it a lot last week and you've mentioned it today already. Just minutes in yes. is the, the journey. Right. And so so many of us are so resistant of, you know, we always want a map, right, to plan everything out in terms of where we're supposed to go. (laughs) We always need to know the next step. And we always think in terms of what's really logical. Right. Um, Because what would have been logical 
right? For, it was you exactly. to say to Kevin, I don't have another job and I haven't started my company so could yet. I. <laughs> and so you, any, I could have come up with a list yes. of things or responses that you could have had to this, to this man. And so it's really important for people to trust Right. Exactly. That you are not everything has to be rational. That became logic so clear for me. Or logical for us to 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 before we can take the next step. Right. And so so what is it that allows you to know, right, that it is your gut or the voice of God or the universe and not something else? Because sometimes we can't differentiate the voice that's actually talking to us. So when I lived with my brother, the same way I prayed about having, you and I talked last week afterwards, the same way I prayed about having female friendships that I had never had before, I also prayed about being able to hear and understand his voice. You remember when we were younger and we were outside and you were outside with your friends? It didn't matter whose parent called, you knew if it was your parent or someone else's. I wanted to have that clarity. And I prayed for that clarity because as a woman who who comes from a household when my mother controlled everything. She was like, everything was written down. We knew everything that was going to happen, why it was going to happen. And I began to live that way as well. And so God wanted me to live in faith. I was not living in faith before. So when, as I, as I am now, and, and 22 years later, once I gave all of myself to understanding God, his voice became very clear. It sounds completely different than my own. So I know when it's my gut, when something just doesn't feel right. And in that moment, I began to pray. I don't care if I'm standing in front of someone. I don't care if I'm on the phone. I don't care if I'm walking. I don't care if I'm driving. I start to pray because then I want guidance. And I need that. All of this was part of the journey because I began my journey by making my PR firm a Christian PR firm because I even wanted to do business differently because I went to business school. I have my degrees in business and psychology and marketing, but the way I run my business today has nothing to do with what I learned in college. Nothing because it had to be different. I've been in business for 22 years without a website. Where do they do that? Every single one of my clients have been referred to me. But I was clear that my business was going to be one in which it had to look and sound and move differently than all other businesses. I've mentored under some of the most amazing PR people in the industry. I still don't do business the way that they do. And I think that has a lot to do, Sonia, with the fact that I didn't grow up with a job mentality. I grew up with an entrepreneurial mentality. I never, I never liked the, the inability to operate in my knowing, in my spirit. And everywhere that I worked and under every mentor I've had, I was not able to do that. I had to do things the way that they wanted me to do it, even if it was wrong. So then I had to work with, it, with lack of integrity. I didn't want to do that either. I knew that's, that wasn't the journey that I was on. I had to seek out money before I sought out the best interest of people. I wasn't interested in that. And so I remember the first four months of business, how I ran business made me very uncomfortable. In the first four months? The first four months, yes, yes. 
So this was the, this is as you're starting your your business. And so what was it that made you feel uncomfortable about how you were starting? I had a client that I didn't like who asked me to do something that was incredibly disrespectful to women and um, only served his interest. He was famous. He was on television every single day, but he was asking me to take my integrity and put it aside to do something for him under the guise of my PR firm representing him. And my first question to myself was, why did I take him up? With the hopes of getting him more exposure? I guess that was the whole... Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. He wanted more exposure, but you wanted me to lie. You wanted me to deceive women to get them to like you. And so I shut the business down. I had four clients at the time. I shut the business down completely. And then I went into really big prayer about the business. I had not prayed about the business beforehand. I prayed about me and my growth and my journey. I didn't pray about the business and how God wanted this business to look. And he wanted everything about it to look differently. So that scared me, but it excited me at the same time. First of all, I want to ask, how did you get your first client? Because this is, you started this, like you left a data entry job and you just decided that you were going to start this business. You started and how do you get your first client? So my first client came by way of one of those mentors that I, I just mentioned, um, referred them to me. And from that, you built a clientele of four, roughly four. Yes. And then decided to shut everything down. So you're doing well, right? A new business, you've got four clients. And, and, and how long did it take you to do that? How long did it take you to get the four clients, roughly? In about two months. In about two months. All right. So you're doing extremely well just starting. Yes. Just starting. And you decide to shut everything down. Because how, how I was feeling working with him made me very uncomfortable. It made me very uncomfortable as a woman, and it made me very uncomfortable as a business person. I felt everything was in jeopardy because I had not prayed about the business as a whole. So then I prayed about the business and I, I took three months, 90 days, and I was in constant prayer about the business and how it was supposed to run. And that's when it became, became clear to me that I was not supposed to have a website. Before Kevin became a filmmaker, he was a web designer. So I just knew I was gonna have a website. <laughs> the best website ever. Mm-hmm. So you could have easily, <laughs> the best website ever. <laughs> but every time he went to create the website, God would say, no, do not create the website. So I had no website. Then I had to work from home. We would go shopping for office space. God would say, no office space. And I'm like, God, how am I supposed to run a business? My mind did not, could not fathom anything other than what I was taught and how you run a business. You have to have a, you have to have an office. You have to have a full and complete staff of at least maybe eight people. You have to have at least 10 clients to keep everything up and running. It went against the grain of everything that I knew, everything that I learned, everything that I understood. The largest part of the journey was to think differently. And that's what's, I think, incumbent upon all entrepreneurs, right? There's certain formulas that work absolutely, but it's okay to think differently. 
And I think what you're also teaching us too is that it's okay to restart. Absolutely. I think it's a powerful thing to see what you're capable of, close it down and build it up better. I think that is so exciting to your heart. I think you have a different drive after that. I think you have a different understanding of your potential. I think people also get to see you in a light that you probably never expected. And I learned so much by shutting down because everyone was like, Rhonda, you're crazy. You just started. Why are you shutting down? I gave my clients to other publicists. And they were like, why are you giving me clients? I'm giving you clients because something's not right here. And I wasn't afraid to say something's not right here. I then had to really take on that, that, that differential thinking and be okay with that. And when that three months was over, and again, <laughs> um, and I hope everyone is not turned away because I, I bring a lot of spiritual context to this, but this is how it happened for me. That this is your, and this is your story. Absolutely. We have to honor that. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. So after the three months, uh, Kevin and I, we were, we were part of a very progressive church and I had a dream about my pastor calling me. And he was saying, I need you and Kevin to get to the church immediately. And it startled me. So I woke up an hour later, my pastor called and he said, what are you and Kevin doing? I said, we just, um, we just started our Saturday. Can you come to the church? We went to the church. We, we didn't know that they were starting a record label at the church. He said, we have these two amazing Christian rappers that need representation. Can you represent them? And I was like, I hate rap. <laughs> no, I don't, wow. don't want to represent them. No, no. And then I'm looking at my pastor. My pastor's just befuddled because he's like, you just, really? And then we have um, we, our one of our really, really uh, great friends and a, and a client was the CFO of Bad Boy, who was helping my pastor with this label, who was a member of our church. And he goes, Rhonda, we need you to do it. We just really need you to do it. And Kevin, we need you to film the first video. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And when I tell you another part of the journey, wow, you're not going to do PR, Rhonda, the way you've always done it. I have a Christian duo, Christian rap duo. I hate rap. And now I have to go into media that I had never gone into before and try to get them interested in Christian rappers. Really? So again, long story short, we got the cover of the New York Times. We performed at the Pentagon. We traveled the country all because I chose to accept the journey, even though it did not look like what I wanted it to look like. And, that, and from that, all of my clients have come, literally. Just from those, that rap duo and what we did for them in a short period of time, is where I am right now, is why I'm, I am where I am right now. And I should let, or you should let people know that you have a diverse clientele. You are over the years. Very, <laughs> very diverse. Like, I mean, tell us about, tell us some of the, the types of talent that you have. You don't have to mention names, but some of the types of talent that you've worked with. Music clients, A-list Hollywood celebrities also referred. You've got to work very, very hard. Um, network streaming companies, the National Urban League, Kim Fields, uh, Roland Martin, like a, just a massive amount of people that we've worked with. One, from a woman who has had no experience in PR. Two, wasn't seeking PR. I wanted to be in fashion. And when I tell you, when I look at the resume of the things that I have done, 
and who I have done. Celebrity chefs, television shows, television series. This is because of the imprint that I have been allowed to make in the industry. It's because of that. So for me, I've always wanted to be able to keep a large amount of humility because because I didn't do it the way everyone else did it, because business does not look the way to me, look to me the way it looks to everyone else. I still wanted to be able to maneuver in my industry the way everybody else does, because I still want to be a part of the industry. I may not do things the way everyone else does them, the way I'm told I should be doing them, but I still want to do them the way that I know that has always worked for us. And I still want to be a part of the industry that is still absolutely magnificently growing. And there's still clients out there that I know are waiting for me as I'm waiting for them. So tell us what this last year has has been like for you, because like so many other people um, affected, I, I don't even think you can say anybody has been indirectly affected by the pandemic. I mean, this last year has been impactful for so many of us in so many different ways. Um, and business has obviously been affected in a lot of different ways. Some people have done really well. We've read the stories about, you know, the people and the, and the companies that have just made even more money during this time. But a lot of people have struggled. And I think a lot of people, when times are challenged, they expect to struggle. And uh, that's not the advice that you would offer someone in business, would you? No, no. <laughs> you know, for me, this this past year, initially, I didn't know what to expect, but I was open to whatever happened because I had never lived through a pandemic before. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what it, it could possibly look like um, economically. I didn't know what it could look like um, with uh, regards to whether there was still a base of clients that needed services. I didn't know what it would look like for my staff. And so what I can say, by the grace of God, I business has not slowed down at all, at all. I, I think I was ahead of the game because I've always worked from home. I didn't have to pivot in that sense. I didn't have to do any new marketing to, to drum up clientele. People were still referring folks to me. I, brought, I actually brought on new clients during this past year. So it, for me, it looked like what it has always looked like, but it also afforded me opportunities to reach out to other people in my industry and ask them what they needed and if I could help them because I knew how hard it would be to have to leave an office space and then work from home. It's not an easy transition, but it's not impossible either. So I was able to help some of my friends by telling them how I function on a day-to-day, how I've always functioned, how I started out function functioning, and what I had to change. I had to change a lot. There was a lot that I could not do. To be able to divvy up home and business when they kind of share the same space is not easy. It's just something that you have to decide to do. And so I was able to help a lot of my friends. I wanted them to not look at it as if everything was over and everything was ending, but I wanted them to honor that it was devastating because it was personally, mentally, psychologically, spiritually, financially, it was devastating. But how do we help one another keep our heads above water? And so I had a lot of conversations. And I think that's always been your motivation, right? It's it's always about helping other people see things differently and understanding how to continue on, on their own journey. So I, I would imagine that you also mentor 
people as well or mentor a lot of business people? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and and what has been what has been some of the exchanges that you've seen just in this past year in terms of, you know, what people feel is possible or, or, or have there been some aha moments from you? I mean, because number one, you are very open Mm -hmm. and you are very spiritual and you are very, you know, I'm going to expect the best. And so were there any aha moments during this time in your conversations with people in terms of seeing how people were, or other business folks were, were managing during this time? I think some of the aha, uh, one of the main aha moments for me was um, how important it is to intentionally reach out because I have, I do have a tendency to get busy and I could let time go by and not be as supportive as I could be. But I do believe that anyone can carve out five minutes to just check on someone. And I wanted to make it very intentional that I don't do that anymore. I want to be as, I want to help equip people as much as possible in times like this. I'm not expecting everyone to do and operate business the way that I do. And I'm not expecting people to believe and think that I I do. But I do want people to be able to have other perspectives and to be able to be encouraged and have hope and be inspired. And I have been able to lend myself and my stories to, ha- to lend, to give people hope and to inspire and to encourage. Because if we don't have hope, what do we have? Even doing, and especially during a pandemic, what do we have? If I am going to choose to live in it every day, I have to also be willing to give it away. So I want to, the hope that I live in every day, I want to be able to give that away to others. And so I found a lot of people going, oh my gosh, I really didn't realize how much I needed this conversation. Or I didn't realize how much I needed this call. Oh my gosh, I can't believe someone called and checked up on me. And my husband often says to me, you always reach out to people or you always give to people more than what they give to you. And I have to remind him, I'm not doing it to get something in return. I'm doing it because that's how God created me. That's how he's built me. He's built me to give. And I'm okay with giving. I don't have to always get something in return. So now I'm going to make it an intentional weekly um, habit to call to, to just reach out and call people, see how they're doing. I know people that are still struggling so very, very much in business. And so I'll call people. I had an agent call me yesterday and asked me, do you know anybody who needs an acting job? I'm calling friends. You want to you want to get on this movie? You want to get on this film? And they're like, "Oh my gosh, I've been looking for a job. Oh my gosh, I've been looking for a gig." Yes. You don't have to give me anything just because I someone called me and told me that I could bring someone to a film. Go and have a good time. Make some money. It's not about what I get in return. It's what I'm willing to selflessly give away. We don't want to selflessly give away because we always feel like we're not going to get anything back. I promise you, Sonia, as much as I have given away is as much as God has restored for me. I, I totally believe that, too. I mean, for me, too, from a spiritual standpoint, we live in an abundant universe. And I think that um, 
Yes. In, fact, in fact, I listened to something just today that talked about like there's abundance all around us, but sometimes we're the right. ones who just feel like, you know, I've got to hold all this for me because if I give it right. away, then there'll be nothing left for me. Or if I tell somebody about something, there won't be an yes. opportunity for me. And it Absolutely. really is. Um, Absolutely. It really is in the act of giving. And that's what I want to do. That you yes. get so much. You get so much in in return. What do you think is next for, I don't even know if you can answer that, right? Because if you are, if you stay open and you um, stay open to, to all that the universe and God is bringing you, um, do you know what's next? Or do you have an idea of what's next? Or um, do you have some goals? I know what I desire. I know as, um, as a woman, you know, in, the, in this PR industry, I want to be able to experience other sectors of PR. And one of my desires is to do film PR. I love, love, love film. And to be able to kind of navigate that film and television. And um, I was at an event um, two weekends ago and I just met this, this woman never met her before we were talking. She asked me what I did and I told her, and she said, she asked me kind of what you just said. She goes, what are you doing next? I said, I don't know, but I really, really, really enjoy film PR. And she goes, oh, I have a friend who's in, uh, who works for an, um, uh, a production company. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give her a call and introduce the, t- the two of you and maybe you guys can work together. And a, a lot of times I know what my heart desires. I'll pray about it and I'll leave it. I don't, I don't push and I don't pull and I don't try to navigate it myself. I am fully aware of the capabilities that God has given me. And, you know, like I said to, to one of my friends, I don't think there's ever going to be a time in this world, in this lifetime for me that I won't have a job. Everything that I do, I'm able to make money from. Everything, everything, <laughs> you know, mentoring, writing, um, television, PR, um, natural beauty, you name it, speak public speaking, everything that I am, that, that is in me, I am able to sustain from. And so I'm looking at a lot of different things. Film PR is so, is so exciting to me. My natural beauty company, I'm really excited about launching that. Um, I am excited about the talent management arm of the company that we just added, you know, to take on actors and actresses who want to get into the industry. Um, You know, those are my top three. Those are my top three right now. Um, And I'm excited to see what happens. Like I'm not, I I wake up every day excited to know what's the next thing that's going to go on. And I've never been afraid of risk. Never. Nothing has ever given me a level of fear that I go, oh no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. You know, but I'm honest. That's really powerful to say that. Yeah. That's really powerful that you can say that. Yeah. What do I have to fear? There's nothing I could possibly fathom that I should fear. When my surgeon said to me, he said to me, he said, every time I come into the office, when I had to have knee surgery, he says, every time I come into the office with you and Kevin, you guys are in here having such a great time. He goes, I need you to, ha- I need to set up a meeting for you to come in and I want to talk about what it is that you do. So we set up a meeting and I told him and he goes, can you represent my, my new office? And I said, well, I don't do medical PR at all. He goes, but I love your spirit. And I said, I thank you for that, but I don't do medical PR. And he said to me, come back next week 
I went back the following week. He had three medical PR marketing and branding books for me. He said, take as much time that you need to get comfortable with medical PR because I want your firm to represent my offices. And we worked together for about 16 months. Everything he asked for, he got because I'm not afraid to step in where I've never stepped before. Never, ever, ever, ever have I been afraid. And so I think that's why another reason why I've been able to sustain for so long. I've never done talent management before, but I have three clients on television right now, (laughs) you know, because I love what I love, what I love. And at the crux of everything that I do is people. And so my love for people has sustained me in this industry for close to next year is going to be 30 years that I've been doing this with no experience, Sonia, none, just a desire and a passion. Don't let lack of experience stop you. And I'm told as a black woman, I should be nervous. I should be nervous in this industry and I should fear being in this industry. PR is a predominantly white industry. And I'm supposed to have some level of trepidation when I walk into rooms, when I walk into meetings, when I'm meeting people for the very first time, but I don't, I absolutely do not. It does not matter who I'm sitting in front of. I have no fear at all. And for me, there's no fear in no to me. There's just, okay, I'll see it. I'll find another way to make it happen. Okay. So I don't fear, I don't think that's failure. I don't think that's losing out. I think there it, that becomes an opportunity for creativity and doing things in a different way. So I've been in this industry for so long and I've been able to move in this, this space of confidence, absolute confidence. And I teach my young, my young mentees to do the same exact thing. That is incredible. That's so important. A desire, a passion being open and being fearless. And, and so I hope if, if folks take nothing away from this conversation, that they take that, that piece of it, that when you have nothing to fear, like the whole world really is, is yours. When, when we think about all of the things that, that keep us back, right? Whether we think it's our, our color or our gender or our size or our age. And, you know, we feel, I mean, when, when we, when you talk about fear, like, we really are intimidated by by things that we have no reason to be intimidated by. And so um, that is so powerful for you to um, to share that with us. Well, you, you don't have a, um, a website, but if someone were interested in reaching out to you, how should they do that? <laughs> nope. <laughs> are you on social media? Uh, they can, um, I, I have my Instagram is um, APR Firm. Um, my uh, Facebook is Affinity Public Relations or Rhonda Ridley. I have two. Um, my Twitter is APR Firm as well. Where else am I? Are you on LinkedIn? I am as Rhonda Ridley. Yep, absolutely. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> so there are a lot of places that we can reach out to you and 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 see um, what's going on. And yes. so I am just really honored and grateful that you 
have been here for two weeks and have shared all that you've shared with us. Um, <laughs> wishing you nothing but the best. Yes. Um, we expect it because we know you expect it. And so um, we hope to have you back to talk yeah. about some more amazing um, opportunities and, and how you've overcome <laughs> other challenges. Because one thing we know in life, right, there's always going to be, well, that's the one thing we can be sure of, that there are going to be challenges. But how you overcome them is really the key to it all. I've enjoyed this. I've so enjoyed you. I've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, you know Wanda. us. We can talk so for much. a very long time. So have I. <laughs> so the fact that we're bridging right now is so good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. It's, it's tough. You know yes. it's tough, exactly. right? I was just like... <laughs> exactly. But I thank you. And we can I easily go into cocktail mode. Like the very easily. That you are. You're bringing to people exactly what they need to hear. Um, and you're helping people to be fearless because business can be scary. And I wish you nothing, nothing but success, nothing but the best. Thank you, Rhonda. Thank you so much. Yes. Well, we look forward to, um, I, I, well, I look forward to catching up with you again off, off camera and off, off mic. Um, and but I'm we also, as, as a community, look forward to hearing from you again and, and, and bringing you back on as a guest. So again, thank you so much. Take care. The Business First Podcast is hosted and produced by Sonia Lee. Associate producer, Ariel Mancibo. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Business First Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on social at business underscore first underscore podcast on IG. The Business First Podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production.